I'm Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your hosts today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today we will be talking about spiritual warfare. And our scripture for today is from Ephesians 6.12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Well, we want to let everyone know that this topic was a deep one. Uh, So we will be doing it in two episodes, and part two will be next week. So let's get into this. Spiritual warfare, it's a huge part of our reality, and most people don't know much about it. Mm -hmm. This is because we can't physically see it with our eyes. So we walk blindly in this unseen realm every single day, not realizing that this very real realm affects each one of us greatly. Whether, it's, whether it be good or bad. And let's start by explaining what spiritual warfare is. And in order to understand spiritual warfare, we need to begin with acknowledging that we are in a war. We always seem to be fighting some type of battle. And battles are a smaller part of the bigger picture, the bigger picture being the war between God and Satan. And I found an article on learningreligions.com, and I really like how it explains spiritual warfare. And the author of this article, her name is Mary Fairchild, And she says, in the Bible, the devil, also known as Satan, is the adversary of God. Spiritual warfare has its roots in the rebellion of Satan and his angels against God. And as the prince of this world, Satan leads an army of unseen, demonic forces that work in opposition to God, his church, and individual believers. So, we've established our enemy, that's Satan. We don't see him in the flesh here on earth, just as we no longer see Jesus in the flesh here. We don't see Satan's demon angels. We also don't see God's angels here on earth in the flesh. But that doesn't mean they don't exist, right? Right. And if you believe in God and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then you believe in heaven and hell. They are real places. I've been to both in the spirit, and I can attest that they are both very real. This means that the spirit realm is very real. There are spirits operating among us and around us every moment of every day. And in the article I just mentioned, Mary Fairchild says, The Bible teaches that Christians are engaged in spiritual warfare with the world, the flesh, and the powers of darkness led by Satan. Although evil forces were disarmed by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, they remain a potent threat to the church and individual believers. God has given believers spiritual resources to defend and equip themselves for battle against their unseen enemies. But we have to be aware of it. We need to understand what's going on so we know how to use the spiritual resources that God has given each of us to defend and equip ourselves. So how do we know we're in spiritual warfare? I found another article on iBelieve.com that states five different ways you know you're experiencing spiritual warfare. These are pretty good. The first one is sudden or extreme onslaught of various troubles, losses, and trials. It seems to come out of nowhere, and it's just one thing after another. We've all been there, right? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And you feel as if your life is spinning out of control. And the second one is attacks of physical danger, illness, life-threatening loss. We know the enemy wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy our lives and all that we love. He desires to silence our our voices and take us out of this world to shut off the light of God's love and hope through Christ. 
The third one is increased temptation and luring towards sin or wrong choices. The enemy fights hard against us. He wants Christians to fall into sin and to cause disunity among us. He wants to take us out. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one is feelings of overwhelming despair, darkness, and fear. Many people struggle with anxiety and fear in this life. And Satan uses this to keep us bound in our misery, slowly destroying our lives. And then the last one is deep confusion, feelings of condemnation and guilt, dulled spiritual awareness. This last one can be difficult to see through at times. It's subtle, but the enemy uses it to slowly pull us away from God's truth, leaving us confused, irritated, conflicted, and facing feelings of guilt and condemnation that we can't seem to shake off. We need to know our enemy. How does he operate? And here are some things we should expect from Satan and his evil, wicked ways. He's more crafty than any wild animal. He comes alongside you, pretending to be an ally. He deceives you by trying to bond, or sorry, trying to bend at the truth that God speaks to you. He tries to plant doubts in your mind about the things God has said. He wants you to think God is restricting you when in reality, he's protecting you. He encourages, encourages you to rebel against God by telling you that you deserve to be the ultimate authority of your life. And he uses your pride and your sense of shame to turn you against others. Mm-hmm. Beware of anything that goes against what God says in his word. If it goes against his word, then it is most definitely from the enemy. He attacks us phys- physically as well as mentally. Mm-hmm. He attacks when we are weak and when we are strong. He is currently attacking us right now through the leadership in our government, as well as the media, our churches, our schools, our families, the movies and the shows that we watch, and so much more. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they may not so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan knows what he's doing. He knows how to control and manipulate us. And it's important for us to know all that we can about his tactics so we can cut his plans to destroy us completely off. When negative or evil thoughts come to your mind, counteract them with scripture. Read God's word and the enemy will flee and take those evil thoughts captive. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in that opening scripture, the Bible that I read, that the Bible tells us that when we are wrestling with someone or something, that we're wrestling with the unseen world. Right. Like unseen, meaning not seeing with our natural physical eyes, but feeling it and wrestling with it in the spiritual spiritual realm, taking place that's, you know, all around us. Mm -hmm. But like Kathy was just saying, how can we recognize and know we're dealing with spiritual warfare and how do we combat it? That's good. You know, first, let me say, all of this, no matter who we are, we've battled spiritual warfare, whether we realize it or not. Yep. There are demonic and angelic armies that are working hard, either attacking us or protecting us from spiritual attacks. And it all started before the world was created in the war that took place in the heavens. You know, but before I get into the war that took place, let me back it up a bit and explain how this war got started in the first place. You know, one of the prophets that we all listen to on Elijah streams, his name's Robin Bullock. Oh, he's and, good. And he's very good. Yes. He has such deep revelation of he the does. Word of God. Yeah. That's why we follow him. Yeah. <laughs> but God gave a really good description of why, uh, I'm sorry, He God gave him a really good description of why Lucifer hates God's creation of man and why he continually wants to destroy man. And he read this excerpt from Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19, to help us understand where it all started. And I'm going to read it to you now from the Amplified Bible. And it said, You are the full measure 
and pattern of exactness, giving the finishing touch to all that constitutes completeness, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The carnelian, topaz, jasper, chrysolite, beryl, onyx, sapphire, carbuncle, and emerald, and all your settings and your sockets and engravings were wrought in gold. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub that covers with overshadowing wings, and I set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire, like on Mount Sinai. You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until iniquity and guilt were found in you. Through the abundance of your commerce, you were filled with lawlessness and violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and the guardian cherub drove you out from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, and I lay you before kings that they might gaze at you. You have profaned your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities and the enormity of your guilt, by the unrighteousness of your trade. Therefore I have brought forth a fire from your midst. It has consumed you, and I have reduced you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who looked at you. All who know you among the people are astonished and appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and shall never return to being. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot when you start really processing what it's saying there. Mm-hmm. That is deep. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is wow. what he once was. Yes. You know, beautiful and adorned in these jewels and gold and just, you know, you can see why, why right. he fell so hard because he was filled with pride Yeah, yes. for, for his beauty and yes. for his position. Right. Right? Right. And he so, was good. At, he was good in his position. Mm-hmm, that's why right. God, that's why God appointed him there. Right. Right. Like wow. a very high-positioned cherub. Yes. Guardian right. angel. Right. Right. But he wanted more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And so you know, by reading this scripture, Robin was explaining that Lucifer had a very high position as a guardian cherub, like I said, on the mountain of God, placed that was placed in the Garden of Eden, and was basically the perfection of beauty, adorned in beautiful precious stones. So Robin Bullock explained that when it says that he walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, it was said that words of revelation from God would come up through those stones of fire, and Lucifer would declare what he was hearing and seeing. So his pride in his position of receiving wisdom and revelation and his adorned beauty would eventually become his downfall. You know, just like the scripture, pride comes before the fall. That's right. Mm -hmm. He's talking about this guy right here. (laughs) Yeah. Then one day he heard and saw the revelation of the creation of man. This is what, what took place that Robin was explaining. Yeah. This took place in those stones. So one day the, the revelation of the creation of man was coming into the earth, and, he, and Lucifer saw this. He saw that the man would be made in God's image and be like the Most High, working in partnership with God. He's talking about us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This revelation filled him with jealousy because he enjoyed his elevated position and didn't want this man to overshadow him. So the Bible says that he was filled with violence. So he made a plan to elevate himself up and become like God himself. As stated in Isaiah 14, 13 through 15, it says, And you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. 
I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the uttermost north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. It's a lot of eyes. Yep. Yes. And then in Revelation 12, 7 through 9, it says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels went forth to battle with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they were defeated, and there was no room found for them in heaven any longer. And the huge dragon was cast down and out, that age-old serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan, he who is the seducer, or deceiver, of all humanity the world over. He was forced out and down to the earth, and his angels were flung out along with him. And the Bible also says in Revelation 12, verse 4 and verse 9, His tail swept across the sky and dragged down a third of the stars and flung them to the earth. And the dragon stationed himself in front of the woman who was about to be delivered so that he might devour her child as soon as she brought it forth. And verse 9 says, and I'm going to, to just read this verse. It says, and the huge dragon was cast down and out, that age-old serpent who is called the devil and Satan, he who is the seducer, the deceiver of all humanity, the world over, he was forced out down to the earth and his angels were flung out along with him. So from this verse, we understand that a third of the angels who sided with Satan and fought against Yahweh and his angelic arm, army were hurled down to the earth. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a lot. I'm it is a lot, lot. right? Yeah. So since yeah. the creation of man, Satan has been hard at work to keep man from becoming all that God created him to be and to do on this earth. The serpent, another name for Satan, deceived Eve in the garden, causing Adam and Eve to be disobedient to God's command to not eat of the tree of good, a knowledge of good and evil. They believed the serpent's lie that if they ate the fruit, their eyes would be opened and they would be like God, knowing good from evil. This is described in Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> so you realize this lie that Satan convinced them to believe was the same sin that he committed in heaven, yeah. wanting to be like God. Yeah. Right? Wow. wow. So although he has, he has nothing new, right? Right. The you know, it's, strategy. It's, it's, yeah. It's it's good that we're talking about some of the stuff because, you know, we don't we don't talk a lot a lot about a lot of the stuff that happened before man was created. Right. And right. people are curious about it. Mm-hmm. So, and I just feel like there's a revelation there that God's going to start releasing and and for the people that are wanting desiring to know that information. Yeah. yeah. So. It's not your typical Sunday sermon. Yes. It's, right. You have to dig in and right. find these things out. Right. Yeah. These are things that I believe that the Holy Spirit will bring that revelatory knowledge to your understanding yeah. so that we can be equipped and know just how everything got started. Right. How do we need to fight this? The enemy that we're really facing right. on a daily basis. And know right. what belongs to you. Yeah. Right. And live victoriously. Yes. You know, and not defeated all the time. Yeah. So, you know, although Adam and Eve sinned and were sent out of the Garden of Eden, God had a plan to redeem mankind and regain that intimate relationship with man once again. So the Father sent His Son Jesus into the world to live a perfect life and die a sinner's death so that His death and resurrection three days later would pay the price for the sins of man. You know, the the original sin in the garden. Yeah. Jesus' sacrifice not only would cleanse all mankind of our sins, but give us intimacy with God once again and would provide eternal life with God forever. 
And the battle for the dis- for the destruction of mankind has been taking place, you know, for a really long time. Yeah. You know, Satan, unlike God, cannot be in all places at all times. But the demonic forces that were hurled to the earth along with him, you know, the third of the stars, the third right. of the angels, mm-hmm. they go into different places of the earth doing the work of Satan. So now that you've got kind of a brief overview, you know, of why there's a battle going on around you and over your life, we need to be able to discern, you know, whether the things that we're dealing with are just things we tend to battle in our own flesh or whether we're under some type of spiritual attack. That's good. Wow, that mm-hmm. is, that's really helpful in mm-hmm. understanding where, where spiritual warfare comes from. Right. Thank you, Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, demons, Satan, and the power of darkness, they are real and they are actively at work in our world. The question is, do you know how to recognize them? And if need be, go to combat against them. Oh, that's good. As both you, Kathy and Laura said, there is an invisible spiritual realm where unseen battles rage. It is real, and it's dangerous. This invisible world is just as real as the visible world. There's a system, and there are angelic beings. Mm -hmm. We are in an invisible war, a cosmic conflict. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4, Verse 3-4, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but vividly powerful for the destruction of fortresses, speculations, knowledge, and thoughts. Usually when we think of spiritual warfare, we think of all that goes on in the scary movies. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, The Exorcist, Mm -hmm. Medieval Horror. And the list Halloween, goes on. The one that's out oh, right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, these are windows in which we can invite satanic forces in. Right. However, the great majority of spiritual warfare is not like that at all. Right. The majority of spiritual warfare is in the battle for our hearts and our minds. That is mm-hmm. so true. Yeah. It's the subtle stuff. Yes. Yeah. And first and foremost thing, Satan is, he's a deceiver. Mm-hmm. Yes. He has a world system. He takes what God says is good, and he twists it. Yes, he does. Personally speaking, I don't remember ever talking about Satan in my church while growing up. I had very little awareness, and lack of awareness can put any Christian, this includes pastors, leaders, anyone, in serious danger. Many times it's downplayed or ignored in churches. I now know that I really need to learn who my enemy was and all of his strategies and who he is. Yes. How he appears to me today. Right. Mm -hmm. And above all, I needed to know how to gain victory over this enemy. Today, it seems that spiritual warfare is getting much more intense as Satan's attacks become bolder. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? It is getting bolder for sure. There are too many Christians that are not taking spiritual warfare seriously, and many don't believe there's such a war going on. Right. With these two factors, we're now, we now have a crisis on our hands. When danger increases and our awareness decreases, someone needs to sound an alarm to prevent disaster. Yep. The fight is real. Our God is much bigger. Yep. And the battle was won. It has already been It's already won. done. Praise yes. God. Thank you, God. However, Satan, in his deceiving ways, subtly convinces us otherwise. He tries to get us to question God, his ways, his instruction, and his goodness. Somehow, Satan wants to think God is keeping something good or better from us. Satan gets us to think we can live our lives independently from God. When we're separated from God, we're in the most vulnerable place to get attacked by Satan. I haven't in the past made the mistake of thinking I could tame the tormentor. 
Wow. <laughs> That's good. I learned I cannot have peaceful coexistence with the enemy. Nope. <laughs> now I go to war and fight him with God's word. Instructions were all laid out to us in a plan, the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jesus was even led into the spirit, led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted three times in three different ways. If Jesus could be tempted, why wouldn't I think I could be tempted too? Right. right. Satan wants to destroy God's people, and he's utterly ruthless right now. Look at mm-hmm. our world. Yeah. Yes. Sooner or later, the enemy will destroy the careless and foolish. Yes. There are some dangerous misconceptions that are hindering spiritual victory and freedom. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I feel like we've ignored the enemy and allowed him free reign in our lives. Uh, yes, we have. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like in 1 Timothy 1, 18 says, Jesus calls us to war a good warfare. And in 1 Timothy 2, 6, 12, he calls us to fight the good fight of faith. Yes. yes. You know, we're definitely at war. And we have to fight the enemy and push him back where he belongs, which is under our feet. Under yes. our feet. Under our feet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you choose to believe it or not. The fact still remains that the spiritual realm is real. And there is a massive fight going on between good and evil. We are either victors or victims. I'd rather be the victor. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yes. I want to be on God's side. Uh, you can continue to ignore it, but it will still affect your life. These evil spirits want to destroy you because Satan hates God. And he wants to kill anything that God created. We talk about that a lot. You know, and Satan doesn't want any of us to understand this because once we know, you know, once we learn our authority and learn to walk in it, he has no hold over us. Mm-hmm. And if we choose to learn, learn and understand it, God will show us what we need to do. And he will also show us the authority we have over these demon spirits. The enemy attacks each of us in so many different ways. And believe it or not, Satan has, and his unseen forces, they have a well-organized army. He has a plan to destroy you and your family. No one is exempt from his attempts to take you out. But we can learn how to recognize his attacks and deflect them with God's word. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. In the article from LearnReligions.com that I mentioned earlier, Fairchild says again, Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus Christ disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, publicly shaming them through his victory over them on the cross. Through Christ's death, he broke the power of death and the devil. The purpose Jesus came to earth was to destroy the works of the devil. We don't have to live in fear of him. And nevertheless, until we are fully restored to God's presence in his kingdom, we will have to engage in spiritual warfare. And part of that warfare is external, and part of it is internal, the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5.17 says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Thankfully, God has given believers spiritual weapons to fight with. Yeah. Right? Yes. I like that part in Colossians 2, he, that Jesus Christ disarmed the, the spiritual, spiritual rulers. rulers. Yeah. Took their weapons from them. Yeah. They can't attack us that way. Right. You know, mm-hmm. in a bad way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they can attack us, just not with the weapons, the weapons they had before. You know, it's like just going in and conquering the, the enemy territory and taking all their weapons from them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So then they have to come up with different plans. Yeah. It's just a good visual. I mean, he's crafty. He right. does, but still. Yeah. Right. 
Jesus. You know, I read some. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I read some good information regarding spiritual warfare from a website called GotQuestions.org, and uh, it's just your questions, biblical answers. So it just said that there was two primary errors when it comes to spiritual warfare. You either overemphasize it or you underemphasize it. Oh, that's good. And some blame every sin, every conflict, every problem on demons that need to be cast out. Like, you know, I dropped my pen. Oh, that's a demon. Yeah. You know. Or yeah. I didn't get that parking spot. Right. Up front. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and other, pe- other people just completely ignore the spiritual realm and the fact that the Bible tells us our battle, you know, is against spiritual powers. Right. But the key to success in spiritual warfare is finding the biblical balance. Yes. You know, Jesus sometimes cast demons out of people. Other times he healed people with no mention of the demonic. Right. The Apostle Paul instructs Christians to wage war against the sin in themselves, Romans from Romans 6, and warns us to oppose the schemes of the devil in Ephesians 6. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This text teaches some, some crucial truths. We can only stand strong in the Lord's power. It is God's armor that protects us, and our battle is ultimately against spiritual forces of evil in the world. In Ephesians 6, 13-18, it says, It's a description of the spiritual armor that God gives us. We're to stand firm with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and by praying in the spirit. So what do these pieces of spiritual armor represent in spiritual warfare? So we're to know the truth, right? right? We believe the truth and we speak it out of our mouth, right? right. Speak the truth. We're to rest in the fact that we are declared righteous because of Christ's sacrifice for us. We're to proclaim the gospel no matter how much resistance we face. We're to not waver in our faith, and we're trusting in God's promises no matter how strongly we're attacked. So our ultimate defense is the assurance that we have of our salvation, an assurance that no spiritual force can take away. Our offensive weapon is the Word of God, not our own opinions or feelings, and we're to pray in the power of the Spirit at all times. Yep. So Jesus is our ultimate example of resisting temptation in spiritual warfare. And observe how Jesus handled uh, and direct those direct attacks from Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness. Yeah. Each temptation was combated with the words, it is written. Yeah. The word of the living God is the most powerful weapon against the temptations of the devil. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mm, that's good. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to put it in us so yeah. we can be ready to have those weapons ready to fight. Right. Right. So a word of caution concerning spiritual warfare is in order. The name of Jesus is not a magical incantation that causes demons to flee from before us. <laughs> that's true. Right? <laughs> the seven sons of Sceva are an example of that, in th- you know, that happened when most people, it said when people presume an authority that they've not been given, right? Right. So in, in Acts 19, 13 through 16, it says, a group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, 
I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Wow. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So we can learn a lesson from that, right? Yeah, we got to know. You got to know what you're doing when you're, Mm -hmm. right? And know who you are in Christ. Who you are. Absolutely. That's what I was trying to say. Right. Even Michael the archangel didn't rebuke Satan in his own power, but he said, the Lord rebuke you in Jude uh, 1 verse 9. When we start talking to the devil, we run the risk of being led astray as Eve was in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And our focus should be on God, not demons. We speak to God and to, or we speak to him and not right. them. Right. 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 So in summary, what are the keys to success in spiritual warfare? We rely on God's power and not our own. Right. We put on the whole armor of God. We draw on the power of scripture. The word of God is the spirit's sword. Yes. We pray in perseverance and holiness, making our appeal to God. We stand firm, like Ephesians 6, and we submit to God. We resist the devil's work, like James 4, 7, knowing that the Lord of hosts is our protector. And in Psalm 62, 2, it says, Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. That's good. Mm-hmm. Love it. That is good. Similar to what you were saying before, Laura, um, mm-hmm. I found a quote by C.S. Lewis that said, the greatest error when it comes to spiritual warfare is to think too much about Satan or to think far too little. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yep. I'd like to refer to a book by Ron Phillips that's titled Everyone's Guide to Demons and Spiritual Warfare. And he mentions some dangerous misconceptions. And uh, the first misconception is, Demons were only active in the time of Christ or today in pagan cultures. On the contrary, Scripture speaks of the constant battle that is ours. 2 Corinthians 2.11 warns us, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. One of his devices is to lead people to deny his existence and operation. Mm -hmm. It amazes me that people could even think that, that that would only happen back then. You know, right? But again, that's the deceiver for you. He's trying to twist know, the truth, right? He doesn't want anybody to know that he's still very active. That there's still very much going on. Well, it's still the, it's like the same belief that the spiritual gifts aren't active today, right? Right. Like Jesus exactly. is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. Why right. would that change? It, right. It, <laughs> it won't. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's the same lie. Yeah. You know, just yeah. in a different way. version. He just uses it <laughs> yeah. Over and over again. Right. Another misconception is demons cannot bother believers. We know that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. No Christian can be totally taken over by demons, but every Christian can be oppressed, harassed, and dominated by the enemy's activity. Right. The enemy can attack the mind and the body. Christians need to embrace deliverance as part of their salvation. In the Lord's Prayer in Matthew sixteen thirteen, we are told to pray daily, deliver us from the evil one. I mean, how many of us learned that prayer yeah, growing right. up? Right. Yeah. Or just heard it. The Lord's know? Prayer. Yeah. It's good. The third misconception is a demonic is demonic operations incite only extreme behavior such as violence or gross sin. Wow. It's true, as seen in Mark five, that total demonization can lead to extreme behaviors. However, in Mark 1, verse 23 to 24, we see two examples in the Bible of nonviolent oppression. In Mark 21 to 28, the man who cried out in the synagogue from oppression. 
Suddenly, during the meeting, a demon-possessed man screamed out, Hey, leave us alone. Jesus the Victorious, I know who you are. You're God's Holy One, and you have come to destroy us. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Silence, you are bound. In other words, muzzled, come out of him. The man's body shook violently in spasms, and the demon hurled him to the floor until it finally came out of him with a deafening shriek. The crowd was awestruck, saying among themselves, What is this new teaching that comes with such authority? That's We're our mer- Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With merely a word, he commands demons to come out, and they obey. The other example is a woman of infirmity for 18 years in Luke thirteen ten to 13 It says, One Sabbath day, while Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he encountered a seriously handicapped woman. She was crippled and had been doubled over for 18 years. Her condition was caused by a demon spirit of bondage that left her unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her condition, he called her to him and gently laid his hands on her. Then he said, Dear woman, you are free. I release you forever from this crippling spirit. Instantly she stood straight and tall and overflowed with glorious praise to God. Praise God. So those are two examples where it's not like violent or gross sin. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's sort of, you know. I want to offer another misconception is that Christians are in danger while dealing with demons. Some people say, oh, I don't want to stir anything up by getting involved with that warfare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus laid hands on this poor woman and she was delivered. Demons are under the authority of believers and can only affect us if we give them place. Right. For example, what, what kind of doctor would not treat a disease for fear of exposing himself? The doctor would put on protection and do his job. Yeah. Likewise, we suit up with God's armor and help others to find freedom. Yeah. Right. That's a lie from the enemy to say, yeah. oh, if I help somebody with it, Stephen, it's going to jump on me. Yeah. Right. No. It's no. not contagious. Right. Like, like it said, unless you give uh, you know, place to it, right? right. If you right. give it permission to do that. Right. No. And that's why we need to constantly be connected and focused on the Lord, yeah. and He's going to work powerfully in our lives, and we're gonna, He's going to use us to help deliver other people. Yeah, right. It, it's that. That's why I say it's a lie from the enemy. Because what he doesn't want us to help other people. That's right. Right. So right. he puts fear he in wants, us. He wants him. He wants all of us bound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, under, under his control. Yeah, held back. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, which leads into the next misconception: Christians should fear touching or being around right. others demonically. There it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Fear invites the attack of the enemy. However, the demonically afflicted are not transmitters. A person right with God has nothing to fear from the enemy. Right. Satan just puts that thought in our minds, mm-hmm. like you exactly. both just said. Yep. Another misconception is Christians plead the blood of Jesus without understanding and faith. The blood of Jesus cannot be pleaded like a good luck charm. Mm-hmm. We honor the blood of Jesus and trust its cleansing, protection, and delivering power. The blood speaks for itself when applied. To the life of the believer, Revelation twelve eleven speaks of the blood overcoming power against Satan. It says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. This blood speaks of forgiveness and cancels the enemy's attack. The blood's plea is to the Father. It does not plead Satan for anything. Right. Right. The blood rebukes Satan. Yes. Yes. So here's another misconception. Spiritual warfare instruction isn't necessary. Ignoring the truth will lead to disaster. We do need instruction. Yep. Yes, we That's do. why we have the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus is our model, and it tells us what to do in there. Yeah. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. 
Are we doing a good do- job teaching instruction? What do you think when you look around and see that sin is rampant and depression and oppression dominate people's lives? I wish I learned this as a child mm-hmm. much earlier in oh, my spiritual yes. journey. Yep. Me too. Me too. Another misconception is Christians can make light of Satan and the truth of spiritual warfare. Look at 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Yes. The word devour, it means to gulp down. Mm. We are to realize our enemy is defeated, but still dangerous. Wow. And another misconception is resisting the devil is enough over a period of time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I used to think this. Like, Did you really? <laughs> resisting the devil is necessary and important. Yeah, yet it this, is, but for sure. Yet this is defensive. There right. is an offensive side, too, to spiritual warfare, yeah. whereby ground gained by the enemy must be retaken. Mm-hmm. Like in Ephesians 4, 27, warns us about giving place to the devil. In Matthew twelve forty three, demons seek places. We must come to rescue of those captured by the enemy. And Colossians 1.13 speaks of salvation as being delivered from the power of darkness. In Matthew 16, Jesus said of the church, The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yes. This text, text speaks of the very gates of hell's strongholds. Right. Yeah. And another misconception is freedom from multiple attacks is instantaneous. Wow. So... Sometimes it takes intensive warfare to get rid of all the invaders in your life. Years after this, after his entry into the ministry, Timothy battled a stronghold of fear. God will do a complete work if we let him. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Mm-hmm. Love that scripture. Yeah. And a final misconception is freedom gained is the end of spiritual warfare. Mm. Only the beginning of a life of discipleship. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ground retaken in one's life must be defeated. Sin must be purged. Defeated, defended. Mm-hmm. And a life commitment continued. We must wear that armor until the day we exchange it for a robe of white. Mm-hmm. I believe it's important to be aware of these misconceptions. Absolutely. So we can know more fully the right concepts about the enemy's strategies. I can see how easy and subtle to have some of these misconceptions. For example, I grew up in the Catholic Church thinking priests were holy, sinless, and perfect. As a young child, I was even intimidated to shake their hand while exiting the church. I would never imagine Satan would attack them. They gave their life as service to God. Do you you see how easy this can be? I mean, the deception, it can start so early, and Satan can keep people blinded from the truth. Yeah, he can. And I used to think the same thing, Susan, you know, that pastors were holy, sinless, and perfect. But the enemy can get to anyone. Yes. He's good at it. I never thought that. You didn't? No. Because my dad was a preacher. Yeah. And so I never put him on that pedestal. Yeah. Because he was my dad. Yeah. You know, and he was the same man in the pulpit that he was at home. Yeah. So I never elevated him on a position. You know, but when he was preaching, I knew the authority of God was right. speaking through him because right. many times I'm like, can't believe he's talking about me. <laughs> that <laughs> was the funny. Holy Spirit pointing out my sin, you yeah. know. <laughs> like, well, you, you know, pastors' kids are famous for their 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 dads using them as illustrations yeah. of the sermons, you know. But there were so many times when my dad was speaking that the truth of God was just pouring out of him from the Holy Spirit, and I just felt like God was speaking right to my heart, you know. Yeah. And it was almost like a, a mental disconnect that 
when my dad was in the pulpit and he was preaching, he was my pastor. Right. But when he was at home, he was my dad. Yeah. Or even when he stepped down from that pulpit, he's still my dad. You know what I mean? Right. But I mean, it was just, I never put him on that pedestal. So I did. I did. I, I yeah. Just... Yeah, I did too. A lot, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. You know, because I even had friends that would come over to my house and they were like, oh. Well, because well, you know, they come to my house. Yeah. Another podcast. Yeah. Is barbecuing. They're coming over to my house at my, just my friends coming to hang out and yeah. my dad's out you know, cooking out in the in the on the grill in the backyard, and he didn't have his shirt on, and they're like freaking out. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> they're so used to seeing him back then. It was like a three piece suit, you oh, know, yeah. that my dad would wear. He's preaching. I'm like, he's my dad, you know. And you they're like, dad yeah, too? yeah, but he's that's so real. weird. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I I didn't see it the same way, but so many other people do. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, you know, as a Christian, it's hard for many of us many of us to believe that there is a spiritual realm. That that's for Christians, even Christians. They don't they don't they don't think about it. Right. They believe in God, they believe in Jesus, they believe, you know, if you're a Christian, you should believe that, that Satan's real. But they don't they don't think about the spiritual realm. Well, the more you read your Bible, the more you will. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, we can't see it, so why should we believe it exists, right? Right. So most people don't want to try and learn or understand something that they can't see with their own eyes. Mm-hmm. But just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. You know, it's very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more we ignore it, the bigger our problems get. And I think we can all agree that because we've ignored this very real fight, that Satan has taken much ground from us. And it's going to be a fight to get it back. And right now, we are in this state of confusion. We're frustrated. We're angry. And we long for the peace of God that he promises us in the Bible. So how do we fight something we know so little about, especially because we can't see it? Well, the short answer is we need to educate ourselves, right? But that means we need to search out that you know, this very vital information. And it's in the searching that we learn that the spirit realm is very real. And it's in the searching that we receive knowledge and revelation from God. And we must put our trust and faith in him to show us how to overcome all of the enemy's evil plans. Mm-hmm. It takes faith to believe in Jesus. We can't see him, but we believe that he died on the cross for our sins. And we believe that God raised him from the dead and that he alone is the source of our eternal salvation. Those beliefs are not physically seen by us today. Jesus accomplished many things in the spiritual realm when he lived in the physical realm on earth. We need to believe in this physical realm to be welcomed into his spiritual realm. By faith, we believe that we will be going to a very real place called heaven someday. The Bible is filled with many references to the heavenly realm that is invisible to our eyes physically today, yet very real in its existence. We believe this with the eyes of our heart instead of seeing it with our physical eyes. Right, Right. yeah, right. You know, I've shared a few of my visions in the past episodes, you know, where the Lord allowed me, my eyes to be open to the spiritual realm, yeah. and I could see that I was under demonic attack. You know, in one instance, I was trying to prepare and get my house ready uh, for a weekly Sunday night Bible, you know, Bible study we had for the college students that we held in our home, and we also went to church on Sunday mornings, and many times I was really worn out, you know, and tired by the time the evening time rolled around. Yeah, yeah. And I'm one of those people who like my house clean, you know, most of the time. Her house is very clean. (laughs) It is clean. Where we record, we come here every week. You could eat off the floor. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) So, as usual, you know, I was straightening up around the house and trying to get some snacks prepared for the students. And my husband and I worked all week, you know, on preparing and studying what the Lord, you know, would have us to share to the students. And it wasn't easy. You know, my husband worked full time as an IT manager. 
And I was starting my business as a photographer. And so we were both very busy working, but we knew God wanted us to carry out this ministry, you know, in our home too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And many times I find that the enemy will attack me when I'm either emotionally or physically tired. This is where, this is my weak point, you know. And so this is something we should all take note of, that the enemy is a strategist. He is. And he watches our behavior and takes note of our weaknesses. And he plans his attacks when we are weak and feeble, not thinking straight. And remember, Satan came to attempt Jesus when he was fasting in the wilderness over a period of 40 days without food. I don't know if you've ever done a 40-day fast, but a fast like that would leave you in a very weakened state, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. Sure, and it leaves you grumpy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, yes. <laughs> you know, I've personally only done one, uh, I've done a 21-day fast. Right. You know, I've done those many year after year. And when it got towards the end of that time period, I was ready to get back to normal eating, you know. So on this particular Sunday night, I was super tired. I was not wanting to lead our college Bible study at all. And I was entertaining the thought of just canceling it. But I knew my husband wouldn't go for that idea. We always, you know, helped each other out in those. When I didn't want to do it, he'd do it. When he didn't want to do it, I'd say, nope, let's do it. Yeah, (laughs) That was good. I began to get very, really discouraged and about the workload that we were trying to carry and thinking we should never even take in on this Bible study. You know, have you guys ever had just, oh, yeah. just yeah. full of dread, right? Yeah. Right. And that's what I was. I was dreading all the things I needed to do before everybody arrived, and I began to become depressed, thinking thoughts of just quitting the Bible study and just, you know, just live our lives like everybody else doing our own thing, yeah. you know? <laughs> Like everybody else I saw doing in the world or church, you know. Yeah. And I began having a real pity party for myself, feeling sorry. And, and uh, I just went to my room and I laid down on the bed and just really started to cry, you know. Woe is me. Yes. Lord, why me? But I mean, we've all been there, right? Yeah, Absolutely. When you're really defeated oh, and tired, that's, that's what we do. We just want to lay down and cry. And I remember laying there on my bed and I was... As I was crying, I was just praying and asking God what He wanted me to do. What do you want me to do? You know, it's just just throwing out my thoughts to yeah. the Lord. And then all of a sudden, I saw a vision of myself standing in my bedroom. And then I saw, as I was standing there, I saw big wooden spears being thrown at me in a 360-degree circle, like surrounding me where I was standing. Like all the spears came at me really fast, like whoosh, you know, and they just stopped, like the Matrix movie, you know. Yeah. And they just all the it was a stop motion action scene almost. Yeah. And then I heard the Lord saying to me, quit laying there taking it and get up and fight. And at that moment, I realized I was under very real spiritual attack. And I, I, I took a hold of my emotions that, and just stopped to see what the thoughts were that I was having in my, th- my head. I was discouraged. I was full of dread. And I was depressed. So I got up out of the bed and I stood up to my feet and I called out each demonic spirit that was attacking me. So I said, spirit of discouragement, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You must leave. And then spirit of dread, I rebuke you. And in Jesus' name, I command you to leave. Spirit of depression, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. And after I rebuked them, I asked God, I said, just give me your peace and let it cover my heart and renew my spirit. You know, it's funny that that's, I want to stop you right there because that think about what the enemy did, used. He used those three things mm-hmm. because he knew 
what you were doing for God. Right. He knew that you were going to speak into those young people's lives. Right. So right. he used three those three things. So just think about that. You know, anybody that's being attacked, it's not. It may not come at you just one thing. Right. You right. Know? He's going to come at you in multiple. He's going to overwhelm you with mm-hmm. things that that shut you down. Mm-hmm. So or, just keep or, that in mind. Right. Or things that typical for you. Yeah. To, to leave the window open for him to attack. Right. 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 Things that you battle with. Right. Yes. We all have our weak points. Everybody mm-hmm. has a weak yes. point. Yes. You know? Right. We just have to be, like the Bible says, be on guard, be wary of, of what the enemy's plans are. Right. Just right. conniving ways. Right. So, well, we think of an, when a lion attacks, you know, many times there's two or three of them, and they surround that person or surround that victim, you know, right. the... The animal that they're the prey that they're after, yeah. They surround them, right, and then attack them. Maybe it's with a distraction, and the other two come behind. Right. So it's a strategic attack, yeah. Yes. Right? right. So the enemy, he says, the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Right. So he does it the same way. Yes. And in my case, it was three things. Yeah. <laughs> so I called it a three D attack, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Because because he's, he's after, a jerk, right? <laughs> No, no he kidding. He can also work through, you know, our spouse or anybody in our family. Oh, absolutely. He's going to use the well. people that are closest to you. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not really, you're not, don't focus on that person. Focus right. on the spirit that's it's working in that in person. Them. Yes. Right. Right. That's the mindset you have to have. Yes. You know, and I, I just remember that evening I, I felt when I prayed like that and I yeah. rebuked those spirits. I had a great sense of relief. You know, a lightning came over my heart. Yeah, I'm sure. I just got up. I washed my face. I went back into the kitchen. I started getting things ready for the evening. And honestly, that night, we had a huge, big turnout for Bible study. See, the enemy knew we were going to have a great crowd that night. Right. And he wanted me to call it off because, you know, people were going to be affected that evening. Right. And so, you know, you just put two and two together. Look at the big puzzle. Look at the big picture here. What's really taking place? Well, I'm thinking about the big puzzle. I'm thinking that the enemy knew. How did he know? Well, he's got his little demon spirits that are in each one of those students' lives. And he knew exactly what was being talked about during that day, what all the people, all the the promotion of the, the, that study that night. Mm-hmm. We get to go to Mr. and Mrs. Potter's house tonight. Mm-hmm. So the enemy knew. Like It's it's like that's how well planned out his thought, his his little schemes are. Right. He was trying to, to nip that in the bud before it ever even got, you know, because right. he saw mm-hmm. what was going on with the other students right. that were coming there. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just so much, it's this much bigger picture that we never look at. Right. Because right. we start focusing in on our own stuff. It's stuff. internal. We think about what's going on. It's affecting us directly. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's a much bigger picture out there that the enemy sees all that. Right. Right. And that's why we have to operate with that, you know, a sound mind because the, the Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us because he sees all that too. Mm-hmm. Our father sees all of it too. Yeah. And he knows mm-hmm. how to guide and direct us. Yeah. The Holy Spirit gives you God's perspective right. on things. Right. You know. We're in the middle yes. of it, so we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to show us right. His perspective. Right? Yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't even know what was working in one of the students saying, oh, I don't want to go there tonight, and yeah. then someone else comes along and says, no, it's the Potter's, it's yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Potter, this is the best ever, come yeah. on. You know, yeah. And then all of a sudden, every, they grouped it, you're right, Kathy, yeah. the enemy sees the enthusiasm sees and excitement. Because mm-hmm. you, you have no idea what's going on in their lives right. at home. Right. What's their home life like? Right. You know, and, and many of the students that would come to, to Bible study, they didn't have a good home life. Right. They didn't have parents that yes. were together that were, you know, encouraging to them. You know, right. there was a lot of stuff that was going down in their lives. Yeah. And they came to our house to study the Word of God together. Yes. 
And at that time, there wasn't many college Bible studies. Yeah. So for them to be able to have a place at that age, in that age group, right. to be able to come to our house and just really Let it all out. be who yeah, they are. Soak in the Word of God and understand yeah. it from His perspective. I mean, that was, that, was, um, that was a real gem. Yeah, you know, I know that because they've told me these things, you yeah. know, over the years, and now they're in their thirties and forties. You yeah. know, you've um, seen the fruit in their life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, it's just you just thank God for allowing Him to use you. Yeah, you know, in a powerful way to help them, and I'm, you know, for the warfare that I went through, it's all worth it. Yeah, right, because I see the fruit in their lives, and I'm like, see, that's all worth it. I don't, I don't mind pouring yeah. out my life that way. Right, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, and over the years, I've learned to study the moves, the strategic things, you know, that the enemy does. Yes. He studied me, and now I'm studying him. That's right. And I recognize when I'm being plagued and attacked with defense, you know, depressive thoughts or thoughts of confusion, thoughts of unworthiness, you name it, he's going to throw it at us. Yeah, that's right. right. But I have to discern whether I'm, I'm just allowing my own emotional thoughts to get the better of me, and I haven't been taking control of the situation. And in these instances, I have to stop and just do what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He says, and cast down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's good. I think if anyone can be attacked by demons or Satan, but also I also know that anyone who is involved in any type of ministry that is trying to further the kingdom of God is going to be under attack at some point or another. That's right. The enemy knows you're taking territory for God's kingdom, and you're making a difference. The enemy knows your potential, and he can see it. And he will come at you from all kinds of directions to defeat you and weaken you, so you won't continue in your efforts and work for God. But the flip side of this knowledge is that God's children, his people, we are spiritually covered by the blood of Jesus, giving his protection against these attacks and his authority to rebuke these spirits in the name of Jesus. We've also been empowered with his Holy Spirit to be able to discern and to know what's taking place, and he shows us what to do and brings to mind the scriptures to rebuke the lies of the enemy. That's good. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd like to talk about a time I experienced major spiritual warfare. I was volunteering in the church in the counseling department as well as attending worship team class classes. There was a change in staff at the church in our care department. I would have a new lead pastor over our department. Meanwhile, on a side note, my personal life was very challenging, rather derailed. I was on a group text with my siblings. This was four years of frantic communication between us about my mom and sister's declining health. The group text buzzed end- endlessly. I hate that feeling. Mm, it's yeah. like it's already so overwhelming and then mm-hmm. it just won't stop. And yeah, it felt like all day long. And as yeah. soon as I would process a thought in my life, it would sound and I, I couldn't finish my thought. Yeah. Because yeah. I was too concerned as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had just lost my sister and my mom's health was declining. I was millions of miles away from extended family. Then COVID hit and quarantining and travel were even more challenging. I don't know how to explain this, but when people... In my family passed away, the dynamics change, and so did relationships and identities. It felt like an identity crisis. Oh, yeah. Well, your sister had passed away. Yeah. And now your mom... Tragically. Yeah. Yeah. ...was going in that same direction, and that's, that's a lot to take in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's overwhelming. Yeah. For all of us in right. the family, too, right. you know? Yeah. 
Needless to say, the new pastor called to set up an appointment with his secretary so we could get to know each other a little more. And during the interview, my phone was constantly beeping. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I should have silenced it, but all of my family were in a state of high alert regarding my mom. Oh, yeah. Mm. She had dementia and had broken her leg. So this kind new pastor was asking me normal questions like, where was I from? Tell me about your upbringing and family, where you lived. And I was so overwhelmed with so many things. I folded under this oppressive pressure and experienced one of the worst panic attacks or demonic attack I have ever had. Mm, wow. It felt like someone walked up to me and started choking me and tried to close my throat. Mm. And I started sweating profusely and I had to get up. Was this pastor looking at you like... Are you yeah, all right? Okay? <laughs> yeah, I think he was trying to just remain as normal as possible. Yeah, I, I think all of he these... He saw you freaking out, and he's just remaining calm. <laughs> well, well, actually, the torture was more inside. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was. It might not have appeared so frantic. Okay. It, it, that's what the demonic attack is. You're, right. you're suffering on the inside yeah. in your thoughts. You're keeping so it all bottled up. Yeah. Right. So true. And um, I apologized, which felt like... It made things worse, but the worst part was my throat. There was a chokehold, and my voice couldn't come out with a sound. I also felt like I couldn't breathe. Yeah. Mm. I thought I was going crazy. And I recently heard a testimony on Elijah Streams by a prophet, Wanda Alger. Mm-hmm. She, she had something similar occur where the spirit of Leviathan and Jezebel were attacking her, and she felt like she couldn't speak. Yeah. Wow. With, with all the pressure of trying to figure out what and where things were going with my mom, the last thing I wanted to talk about was home, family, and my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Yet, politely, he was interested. And after what felt like an eternity, we got up from the table to leave. We walked to our cars, and I just explained on the way that I, I just didn't feel myself, and I was sorry. And when I got to my car, I started crying. I couldn't possibly understand what just happened. Yeah. Because you can't, you sure you can't explain it in the moment. You right. don't. Well, that and you don't know what you know now. You know, right? You, you're, right. The you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I'm sure you were freaking out. So I called my husband, and he knew it was a demonic attack. He listened and prayed over me, and then I called my niece, who has experience with spiritual warfare, and she prayed over the phone to me as I wept. Mm-hmm. This is what believing Christians do for one another. We first listen and then pray God's word as a sword. It's such a blessing to have a husband to pray over you. Yes. Yeah. You know, just and, thinking about that. And understand everything you're going yeah. through as well, you know. And yeah. So don't get me wrong. Church Zoom meetings continued and I still got the chokehold. Okay. This thing didn't just go away, yeah. which was one of the misconceptions I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. right? I was having an identity crisis and a spiritual warfare attack, meaning my whole life was wrapped up in concern for my family, and the family dynamic changed so fast, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. It changed so suddenly, like the vision, Laura, you gave with the tablecloth trick. Oh, yeah. You know, the vision that the Lord gave me about the, it was about the great uncovering that we talked about. You know, he pulled the tablecloth off the table so fast that the objects didn't move on the table. And he said that that's how fast his uncovering will be when he exposes things that have been hidden in our world. That's what right. happens too. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, when God moves you out of all that you know, he shows you the new path, though, that you need to take. Instead, I had to let God show me who he created me to be. I'm still Susan, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had to let go of the past to open up to the new. It's truly unbelievable how much we believe because of routine, upbringing, culture, 
and and we don't question it. Mm-hmm. I now know my identity is in Christ. That's right. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God, and no one can take that away from That's me. Right. right. Not only did I get attacked through my identity, but like I was saying earlier, my voice was also attacked. I felt strongly muted, and when I tried to talk, I would feel the chokehold again. Yeah. I struggled to sing. This was even after a couple of years of private voice lessons and worship team classes. I lost my passion to visit the piano, and I could no longer reach higher notes that I could in the past. The enemy wanted to shut me down. Mm -hmm. It felt like I was placed in the washing machine and tossed all about, and when I came out, it was like I was soaking wet, heavy, and completely shaken up and lost. Exactly how Satan wants us. Lost. You think about that. He attacked the one thing that gives you pleasure and joy. Right. Your voice, singing, that always, you know... It's glorifying God. Yeah, and it fills us with joy and pleasure and worship, right? Yeah, yeah, he and that's what he wanted to do is choke out the worship in you. Yeah. Yes. And I remember seeing, you know, another pastor. Oh, oh, she just sings so beautifully in the church. And I bumped into her on the way out of church, and I was telling her that I was struggling with my voice because mm-hmm. I was in class with her as a teacher. And uh, yeah. she said, well... If you can't sing with high notes, sing with low notes, but sing. <laughs> yeah, good. just get it out yeah. of your mouth. Yeah. yeah, and there's other ways to worship besides right. singing. You know? Right. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Or you go in spiritual warfare and you fight against it and you make it go away. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> that you got to right. learn. You got to learn. Right. He knew precisely what windows to enter in and attack me. Grief caused me to question everything I believed, especially who I thought I was. Grief is exhausting and draining. Yes. There's another, this is another window the enemy will try to attack us. It's when we're exhausted and drained. Mm -hmm. But God, he was with me through it all. I would sit hours in prayer and just sit in his presence. Instead of being soaked by water, I was soaked in his tender love, mercy, and compassion. I gave it all to him, and Jesus held my hand so gently. So good. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and it's, it's the intimacy that draws you in and washes all the junk in our lives away. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually had an experience this past weekend. <sighs> Yuck. Okay, so before I go into the story, I, I want our audience to know that I pray a hedge of protection around my home. I have anointed it with oil, and I've asked the Lord to reveal to me any demonic spirits or principalities that are in my house. In my house, I've prayed all of that junk out. And because I'm so sensitive to these spirits, I usually know when one has come in. Mm-hmm. So this past Saturday evening, my dog started barking, alerting me to something dangerous. And it wasn't a, I heard something mom bark. It was a, something's going to kill us. Get up here right now. Check it out because I'm not going to stop alerting you until you've addressed it. (laughs) (laughs) He was really upset. And so as I was walking towards the front door, I checked in with God. You know, that's that intimacy with him. I Mm -hmm. checked in and I clearly heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. He said, don't open that door. Don't open the door. Don't open the door. So I was thinking that there was some type of physical threat, right? So I cautiously went to the door, peeked through the peephole, and this was around 10 p.m. that night, so it was dark. And usually after my dog alerts me to danger, I make sure that no one's at the door, and I open it so he can look and see for himself that there's no one there. So while we're standing there, he begins to scratch at the door like, Mom, I need to see. Open the door. I need to know. So I waited about three or four minutes and determining within myself, this is my mistake. I was trying to determine within myself that there was no threat, and I opened the door. Oh, man. Told you not to open the door. (laughs) (laughs) Totally disregarded what the Holy Spirit said to me. And the Uh, very second I opened the door, 
this thought went through my mind of, did I just let in a demonic spirit? Mm. Even my dog knew something was up because he usually, you know, he, he didn't want to sniff. He usually wants to stand there and sniff the mm-hmm. air and just kind of peek around and be like, all right, we're good. No, he immediately backed away from the door. And I and so I closed it and he was just looking at me, giving me this look. So, you know, like, why did you that. open the door? <laughs> he never did this. So, you know, those multiple things that had happened. And after that, you know, my senses were on high alert. So I went and sat back down in the living room and I began seeing things out of the corner of my eye. And that usually is enough for me to get up and pray whatever it is out of my house. But for some reason, I didn't. And I definitely regretted not doing that. Mm. A couple of hours later, I went to bed, still on high alert. I think I got a little too sure of myself, thinking that the enemy knows my house is protected and he wouldn't dare to come in here, right? Right. Why was I wrong? Mm. So I was in bed reading my Bible and I knew something wasn't right. I could just feel it. I could feel this thing standing over me, staring at me as I, I lay in the bed and and what I mean is an evil spirit. I, mm. I sat up and I commanded that evil spirit to leave in the name of Jesus. And after my declaration, you know, I felt better. I did what I felt I was supposed to do. I lay back down, finished reading the Bible, and I went to sleep. Apparently that spirit didn't get the message. I was abruptly woken up around 4 a.m. And I kept hearing these strange noises outside my bedroom door. My husband, I should have said this earlier, my husband was out of town. So it's not like I could tell him to go check it. You know, my, mm-hmm. my daughter was sound asleep in her room. She wasn't feeling well, so I didn't want to disturb her. So it was up to me to figure out what this noise was. And I lay there wide awake. It sounded like someone was moving or dragging a box or hitting something like cardboard. Mm. And at first I thought the noise was coming from outside. You know, your mind just starts to, trying to convince you that it's not what, you right, know. Right, right. But this noise continued for over five minutes. Like it didn't go away. Mm. It was, it was not consistent it wasn't like a continual it just you would you would think okay it's gone and then you would hear it again yeah he's trying to get your attention yeah so i sat up in bed and i realized that my first assumption was correct that it was right outside my bedroom door so you know i'm thinking starting to think what's going on both of my dogs were in the room with me so i know it wasn't either of them i kept trying to rationalize that odd noise thinking it was probably outside even though i knew at that point it was outside my bedroom door And after sitting there for several minutes trying to process what it was, I decided I was too sleepy to get up and check it out. I didn't feel like it was a, you know, a physical threat. So I just lay back down and went to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then was violently woken up around 530 a.m. Just to let you know that this was not a good night's sleep for me. Mm. (laughs) Just before that, I had been fighting in my sleep. So before I woke up, I was, you know, I've been trying to scream my daughter's name, my husband's name, Jesus's name. And that evil spirit that was in my home had wrapped itself around me, literally trying to squeeze a lot of me, life out of me. Like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I, I just felt like I was just being squeezed to death. Mm. I was fighting it. And in my dream, I broke away from it. This is the weird part. It's like in my dream, I broke away from it and I went to my daughter's room and I was sleeping in there. I, I, I saw myself laying in the bed with her and sleeping in there. I don't know why I did that, but that's what I remember in my dream. Mm-hmm. So if any of you have heard my testimony before about how I got saved, this is similar to it, to what used to happen to me, but yet it was completely different. The spirit was different. So as I was trying to get away from this demonic spirit, which I believe to be a Leviathan and, and Holy Spirit confirmed it later on, you know, I was punching kicking, screaming at it to get off of me. And I wasn't scared like I was, you know, before I got saved. Mm-hmm. Then I was terrified. I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I was just mad. And I was trying to break away. I was I was in such a fog of confusion because you're half asleep. And I, I definitely knew I was not in the natural realm when this was going on. And again, I, when I tried to speak, 
I would try to scream out my daughter's name, Jesus' name, my, my husband's name. I was just trying to get off of me. It was not my voice. It was a satanic voice, which angered me even more because I've experienced that before. You know, it's really hard to explain. But again, I'm talking about the unseen or the spiritual realm. We don't see what is going on in the spiritual realm. And this was playing out as a night vision in my sleep. Mm. So I finally was able to shout out, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get off me. And this is when I woke up. I flew out of the bed, turned on all the lights. I, I was out of breath. I stood there staring at my bed. I was out of it. Like I said, you know, it felt like I was in a fog. And I, while I was standing there, I remembered that I thought I was in my room with my daughter. So I ran in there thinking I was in there. It's like you're asleep, but you're thinking you're in there. It's weird. So, you know, I woke her up and I asked her if I had been in there. And, you know, she looked at me like, you're crazy, mom. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it felt so real. You know, so I just stood there again for a few moments trying to process what would ha- what had happened. I explained it to her. And while I was talking, it began to dawn on me that it, it wasn't a dream, that that was a demonic spirit that had been trying to kill me. So the only thing I knew to do at that point, which I should have done earlier, was open up the door and demand that spirit of Leviathan and everything that came with it to leave my house. Mm-hmm. And when I say everything that came with it, I mean, there were several demonic spirits wrapped up in that one entity that had entered my house. Mm. So my daughter asked me at that point, she's like, you know, have you been up during the night, mom? <laughs> Because she had heard strange noises, too. Mm-hmm. And I told her it wasn't me. I hadn't gotten out of bed. So it just confirmed that that evil spirit was up. You know, he was causing all kinds of disruption. And he wanted me to know that he was there. So I prayed until I had confirmation from the Holy Spirit that it was gone. And when I went back to my bedroom, <laughs> my whole bed was a disarray. My, my pillow was at the end of the bed. And somehow I disconnected my phone from the charger. And it was at the foot of the bed, too. I, I don't remember doing any of that. You know, it, it, I remember in my dream when I thought I took both of those things to my daughter's bedroom. It didn't. It didn't just lay there on the bed. It. I brought it with me when I went mm-hmm. to my daughter's room. It was the strangest wow. feeling to not remember any mm-hmm. of that. So I climbed back into bed. I lay there for over two hours processing the whole event. I should have listened to the warning the Holy Spirit gave me about not opening the door, but I wasn't thinking about a, a spiritual threat. I was thinking about a physical threat. But as I prayed about it, he revealed that Leviathan had targeted my house and he was looking for an open door invitation and I gave it to him. Mm. And I already know that because I'm a voice for God's kingdom, he wants to take me out. He wants to silence me. That's why I felt like I was being squeezed, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm thankful that he didn't, you know, you know, next time I'll heed that warning from the Holy you Spirit. You know, I was just thinking you open the door, you, you made a mistake, right? Yeah. You're just thinking in the natural. Right. And but yet. The Holy Spirit and Jesus' blood has you covered. Yes. He's, he's got you protected, know. right? Let me know. Yeah. And you were able to fight right. in the Spirit against this Spirit and right. get it out. Yes. You know, so even though you made the mistake of opening the door when the Holy Spirit told you not to. Yeah. I still knew what I needed to do to get it out. Yes. And you could still fight. Yes. It's you know, still in the Spirit. feeling. It's still, even now, you know, it's, a, you know, four or five days later and I still feel like, ugh. Right. You know, but... But I knew what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I was so upset with myself for doing that because I know better. But now, you know, you don't have to be upset with yourself because now you've been equipped. Oh, yeah. You know, just now you know what to do. Arsenal. Right. And to follow the ho- the voice of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Uh, every, everything he says. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't try to determine for myself that it's safe. <laughs> right. Because right. he's protecting you. Yeah. You know, he's protecting you from a fight that you had. But now you're equipped even more to know what to do. Yes. And how to fight that way. Yeah. So, and imagine you're doing a, a an episode on spiritual warfare in right, a couple right. of days, and you get this. Yeah, I've been thinking mm-hmm. about this for this you know, a couple of weeks. So, mm-hmm. of course, that he knew. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Trying to silence my voice. Right. You know, sometimes we don't even realize that we invite these spirits into our home and they mm-hmm. cause all kinds of chaos. And this is why it's important to understand the very real battle every single one of us face. Right. The enemy uses his demons to work in many different ways to destroy each of us. Right. Right. Yes. And I would like to ask this of our audience. If anyone listening has a story they would like to share about an experience you've had with spiritual warfare, or if you've had an encounter in the spiritual realm, good or bad, please email us at puretruthpodcast3, that's the number three, at gmail.com. There are so many people that have experiences, and these stories need to be shared, you know, so we can all have a better understanding of what takes place in the spirit realm. So please, if you have a story to share, send it to us so we can share it with our audience. And that's all the time we have today. Mm-hmm. We have so much more we have to say on this subject, so stay tuned next week for part two of Spiritual Warfare. We will discuss how to fight in the spirit. Yep. And then we just want to close with this scripture from 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's good. All right. Today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We appreciate you, Caitlin. And we yes. want to reference Ron Phillips' book. The title of that book is Everybody's Guide to Demons and Spiritual Warfare. We also mentioned a couple of articles earlier. If you would like to check them out, we'll put the links in the notes section of this episode. And before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we'd love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3, the number three, at gmail.com. All right. And please visit our websites, kathyzaka.com, laurapotter.us, and susanoffen.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty. Thank you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Until next time. Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with ElectroCast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of ElectroCast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join ElectroCast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to ElectroCast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.